and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. Our next guest is a rockin' mom and entrepreneur. She started Biz Women Rock in 2014 and has a passion for helping mamas all over the world make a full-time income while working part-time hours. Please welcome Katie Kremitzos to the Dreamcast. Denise, what's going on, girl? How are you? Good. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I'm excited to hear your story because I know you've had to push through your own glass ceiling time and time again to grow your business and get to where you are. And now you love just helping pave the way for women and mamas all over the world. So can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. uh, So it's worth noting that I did not grow up in an entrepreneurial household at all. Very blue collared. Um, Never really even knew what the term entrepreneur meant until I was probably about 22. And I loved the idea. And it sounded so cool, but had zero idea on like what that actually meant in the real world. Fast forward, I was 29 years old. And decided I was going to write a book about how to find your true love because it was like that phase of my life. And I was really, uh, I kind of needed to write the book just for myself. And in doing so, I was like, oh, I could absolutely give this to other people. I could actually share this out with the world. That was sort of the first forays of like self-publishing like that. Okay, cool. I could put this out there in this world and I could sell it and it doesn't have to necessarily be a hard thing to go publish a book, right? So I did that. And through that whole experience of writing the book, I ended up meeting this really handsome Greek guy um, and sort of practiced my own wisdom that I had. I was like preaching in the book. And, um, and he had just started a company called Tampa Bay Business Owners, which is um, much like a chamber of commerce, but it's just for entrepreneurs, for local business owners. He literally had just started it. And so before we were really even friends, I'd heard about him. I had heard about this group and I knew, I knew I was like, okay, I'm writing this book. I'm about to finish it. I want to, I want to go out there and be an entrepreneur and to sell this book and to sort of be that person. And I know I need to know more about business. I don't necessarily be, need to be around other writers. I need to be around other business owners so I can figure out how to make this a business. So I joined his group. And um, very quickly, I just fell in love with the man. That whole story, by the way, is meant for another podcast, which is a great story, but we totally fell in love. And so very, like within the first month of me being a member of his, I finished the book um, and then immediately sort of started helping him out behind the scenes of his brand new business. And what happened very quickly, and he's, he's been an entrepreneur ever since he was in diapers. So like this was like, oh, just the next business venture that he was on. Meanwhile, I was working my day job and just saw how exciting what he was doing really was. And by that point, I had integrated myself into the community of all of those other members. And so I was just like, this business stuff is awesome. And so I started just helping him out with a bunch of stuff where my talents tended to lend themselves, which happened to be areas that he was not so great at. So it was a lot of the back office operations, a lot of the um, you know processes and procedures, like that type of stuff. And so I just sort of started helping him out. And um, <laughs> oh my goodness a month, maybe two months after we were like officially dating, I was, I was, you know, still sort of trying to market my book, which was, I was, I was getting that final like wall palm in my face going, Oh, wait a minute. This isn't this book just cause I put it up on my website. Isn't immediately going to make me five grand a month. Like, Oh my God, there's actually something more to this that I need to figure out. What was your book called? I'm so embarrassed. It was called, Red flags and amber lights, something about like the road romantic roadmap or something, some BS, right? It was, it was, I mean, that's how it was a great book, actually. It was a good templated book, but bad title, bad, just bad. So, um, <laughs> lesson learned, lesson learned. Um, but I had already, I had started doing like content marketing for it. I had a very, I had a YouTube channel that at the time was getting like 5,000 views a video, which I look back now, I was like, dang, that was awesome. Like I had some good subscribers, like getting people interested in the topic and then bringing them back to buy the book. But I just wasn't there. I was not savvy enough yet. And so what happened was, is that that was sort of 
becoming a little more real on like how much time and work that would actually have to take to to come to fruition. Meanwhile, I was helping him in his business business, and he already had a business model. There, he had paid members. People were paying to come to events, and it was working. And so I, I was like, okay, that's going on. And I was also just ridiculously unhappy in my day job. So I, I sat down with him. I was like, okay, let's put both of our efforts into your business because that will get us to what I ignorantly saw is like the finish line um, that will get us to the finish line faster. If both of our attention is on that, I'll drop the book. I'm going to quit my job anyway. Like I just am not happy there. And no matter what happens after that, I'm going to quit the job. Let's do that. So that's what I did. Quit the job, went into his business. Within the year, I had um, I had t- taken ownership in the company as well. And so for seven, eight years, he and I ran that company. Okay. Okay. So you said you grew up in a blue collar home, didn't really even hear the term of entrepreneurship, but started a book, which seems pretty entrepreneurship like <laughs> um, at the age of 29. What did you do between 22 and 29 to really get your mind around, okay, I could work for myself? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I, I was... I was, so I had gone to grad school. So at 22, I was like in the first year of grad school. At 24, I graduated grad school. Um, and and what was your the, degree in? It was, I have a master's in communication. Okay. So uh, that means a bunch of nothing unless it's, I look back now and it's like incredibly applicable in every part of my life. But basically what it is, is it's sort of the study of how we humans interact, which in the, in the moment of getting a degree doesn't actually have an immediate application out in the world. It's not like, oh, I have a nursing degree, so now I can go be a nurse. It's like, oh, I have a communication degree. Like, what do I do with that? So, um, so literally, the, those years were spent me figuring out where I might fit in corporate. I can look back and say that now at the time, you know, I was so, I was just always a person who, because of my upbringing, just felt like, let me find my dream job. And once I get my dream job, life is cake, right? Like I make great money. I, you know, I enjoy myself. I, I am doing something worthwhile. And so what I did is I, um, I just had a foray of a bunch of different things. Like at some point I was, uh, uh, I was sort of a, doing a bunch of different contract work because I wanted to, I was a big triathlete back in those days. And so I was sort of, I wanted to have a position paid to run triathlons because I'd done a lot of events. And what I found is that that's a very rare thing. So I just was doing like little contract work, getting paid by, by that particular road race and by that particular swim function or that particular triathlon just to do little bits and pieces of it. And then just became, and then went to work for a restaurant with a master's degree serving tables until I could find a salary. Ended up getting like kind of desperate, like ended up working for the Alzheimer's Association because a friend of a friend of a friend got me an interview, worked at the Alzheimer's Association for a few years. That opened up my network to then I, I um, got a job working in a senior living facility. And so that was my job. I was doing like outside, um, like I was a community liaison. So it leveraged all of those, like my ability to network with people, connect people, build relationships that, that ended up in, you know, referrals to the community and all that sort of stuff. So it was a really good honing in on some of those skills, but I just didn't love it. Like it was, so those years were filled with me sort of jumping around. And I think finally having the realization that there's no such thing called a dream job. Like I, I, I think I want to do it on my own. And the, where the book came in is not actually because I thought of myself being an entrepreneur is because I've always thought of myself as a writer. And I always knew that I was going to write and that was how I was going to make an impact. And I just, I wanted to write. And I, that was my first, like, I don't know why I was not terrified. I just wasn't terrified. I was like, I, I, I'm ter- I've been terrified of a lot of things. And that was just one thing. Like, I'm just going to put something out into the world of me writing. And I know that I can make a difference writing. You know, I think it's so interesting. My parents, my, I was, my dad worked at the same job for 30 plus years. My mom was a stay at home mom. Certainly entrepreneurship was not in my blood at all. And I thought the same thing, you know, you, this is what you do. You go to school, you get a job, you stay there. Life is glory, you know, glorious (laughs) and you don't need anything else. And when you get there, we realize that not only is that not as necessarily personally satisfying, but in this day and age, it's just not as true as it was back then. Yeah. And I, you know, I was really lucky that I have, my parents are amazing and there's six kids in my family. And the lesson that they taught to all of us was really follow what you love 
and money will follow. So it was never like, oh, I want to go make, I'm going to go have this job because it's a six figure job. It was just always like, do something that you're really great at and that actually can bring a gift to others. And so it's not a surprise that a good majority of my family is in service, service industry, like not as a server, but like I have two, there are two teachers. There's one who's in social services. You know, I have a brother who works for a nonprofit. Like it is all about like, how can I help? And, um, and it's interesting that, um, me trying to find that during that 22 to 29 years of age was like, ah, it just, I, I guess my ultimate realization was that I, I want to be the one to figure out what this looks like for me. I don't want to, I don't want to waste time finding the perfect job, which it may have existed out there. I don't know, but I was like, I don't want to waste this time. Like I want to kind of like piecemeal and figure out and create my dream job. Awesome. So you worked seven years with your husband at the Tampa Bay Business um, Owners Association and really networked and built that up. And then you decided to do something on on your own. What did yeah. tell us about that transition? So throughout all of the, all of those years working with my husband, um, it it was just so fascinating because it was sort of a, a dualistic experience for me. Number one we were servicing entrepreneurs. So literally like this space that we lived in, everyone we surrounded ourselves with owned their own company. And so A, I was just incubated in this space of constantly talking about business. And B, here I was going through that entire experience myself. Like, how do I run a PL? How do I like how do I actually manage a member's experience from start to finish? How do I manage team our team members? How do I how do I manage a project? How do I plan for events? Like all of those things that are sort of like foundational for an entrepreneur and a, and a businesswoman to figure out, like I was actually going through that. So what happened is over the course of all of the years, I started out very humble knowing that I didn't know a lot. And so the more that I, the more knowledge that I gained, the more experience I had, I, I immediately lent, like immediately stepped into a role of leadership. And, um, and immediately stepped into this role of like, I love, I so identified with this idea of being an entrepreneur and everything that that meant. And so now a couple of years into it, I was finally like, okay, I've always had this love of women and really wanting to give more light to women and, and help women more and like continue to bring us up. I, like my dad was a feminist. I, there's, you know, out of six kids, there's five of us are girls. Like I have a very matriarchal mother. Like I just have always been really passionate about just raising women up, like in, like helping women be more and more light, right? Like more and more in our light. I never really knew what that meant. But once I found this thing called business, I was like, oh my God, perfect marriage, business and women. And these are two things that I so identify with. And I just am super passionate about, let me start a podcast called Biz Women Rock. And I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with it. All I know is that it's going to be the marriage of these two loves of mine. And the reason it even was a podcast in the first place is because throughout all these years of my husband and I bringing in information and education for our entrepreneurs, our local entrepreneurs, somewhere in late 2013, we somebody came in to talk about podcasting and boom, like bo both of us, like our kind of eyes went open and we're like, whoa, this is cool. We need to do this. So so I came out with Biz Women Rock and that was my first forays into sort of like leaning into my own experience and actually taking like having full control. I mean, my husband and I were both running that business. He was the majority stakeholder and leader and visionary and founder. And I was that back office person who sort of ran everything. Um, and so this was like my first time of like, I'm kind of doing my own thing <laughs> and it's really cool. Yeah. Well, and you took... You took those time, those years to be a sponge and to really connect with what brought you joy. You know, what are some things that were naturally, you were naturally gifted in, just like your parents said, find what you love and the money will follow. You know, when you're meaning focused versus money focused, you'll be working till all hours of the night because you're excited about it. I know. So you found that place where you, it like connected your strengths, your passion, because you could give back to women in a really special way. Mm -hmm. And I know it didn't, you know, it started there, but it's grown quite a bit. You offer lots of different services. Uh, you can go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash group to learn more about what Katie offers. But tell us a bit about what you're able to teach and teach women entrepreneurs now. 
Yeah. So uh, fast forward four years, it is a very different company than what it started out being um, all those years ago. But what it is now, Biz Women Rock is really um, an entire community and resource provider. The message that I'm constantly sharing and how I'm sharing it is the fact that we as women know the answers already, and we're dedicated to this journey of entrepreneurship. So all we need to figure out is how to go in deeper to figure out who we are, what our gifts are, how we package those, what those offerings actually are that we are putting out there into the world. And therefore, then we can create marketing strategies that actually work and um, that are purposeful, that it isn't just like, oh, I'm doing all these 10 different social media things because people tell me I need to do them. It's more like, no, who do you actually need to attract and who, who benefits the most from what you have to offer? And then we can build out um, you know, purposeful marketing and sales because of that. And again, getting really clear about who we are, what's most important for us, what our purpose is here and through this business, and then allowing that to help us scale that business uh, in whatever way that might look like, whether that's hiring more people as a part of your agency or your company or scaling by product and uh, scaling by um, you know, being able to have more and more people coming to you in a, in a variety of ways through different products that you offer. So, um, so all of it is really the message of like, you need to distill down to know what your next steps are and to, to know how to continue on in this entrepreneurial journey that is meaningful for you. You just need to get really clear on who you are, what works for you and what therefore then what works for those that you really serve. And so it's just a lot of like gaining clarity on stuff. So the ways that I do that typically are through one-on-one coaching, private coaching and strategizing. Typically women will work for me, work with me for about six months to a year. And that literally is like, where are you now? Where do you want to be? And let's chisel down all these, I should be doing this. And let's actually get into like, being clear and focused on what actually is the right thing for you to build your business according to where you say you want to be. Another uh, resource that I have available are masterminds. So this is more of like a group setting that allows women to really brainstorm with each other, strategize with each other, hold each other accountable, which is really kind of the biggest kicker. And so those are six-month programs and they happen and obviously start at the beginning of the year. And there's another one that starts in the middle of the year. Um, and then I have a paid membership community called the Biz Women Rock Academy where members who are sort of, you know, kind of the most active, like they really want to be around other women who are like hard driving and really like dedicated to making this vehicle called business work for them in their lives and to make a big difference in their lives and the lives that they love of the people that they love and in the the customers that they serve. I can tell you're passionate about it. Just like you started. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I can, we can see each other through the screen and she sit, she's like ex- sitting up more and, you know, just really excited about what you have to offer. And I, I, I'm excited too, because you have years of experience and now you've created a way that others can glean from that, but really put it into their own situation and build their own story through building yes. their business and connecting with like-minded people. Yeah. So I'm really curious about these last four years, because even though you were working with your husband prior to that, you know, it's really his baby in a sense, you stepped out and became a bit more vulnerable when you chose to start Biz Women Rock, the podcast, the membership community, because that was all you. So yeah. tell me some of the, the fear you had to break through um, on this, these last four years. Oh, girl. I mean, never ending. <laughs> and so it's it's worth noting that even in those four years, two of those years, I was overlapping. So two of those years, 90% of my time was still in our local company. And 10% of my time was to Biz Women Rock and everything that that was becoming. So honestly, like what I just voiced to you is probably more of like a, two, a one and a half, two-year-old business concept, really. Everything for the two years prior to that, it was a podcast and I was trying to figure out what the heck to do with everything. <laughs> So, um, oh my gosh, so many fears um, and so many points of frustration. A lot, so much of it was a lot of me learning to trust myself. Um, and because my husband and I worked, at, you know, we had this really unique relationship where we were not only obviously husband and wife, but we were business partners and, and he was the visionary. He was the marketing genius. He was the person who had great ideas. I, that was not my role in our company. And so all of a sudden here I was going, oh wait, I've got this really good idea. 
and I would go to him to get it validated. And he, of course, would have another brilliant idea and just would be like, well, and there was absolutely moments along the way these past four years where I had to actually kind of incubate myself from him and not communicate with him about what I was going to be doing because I understood that this journey was mine. This business was mine. And the women on the other end of this company that I have built, they're I know them. They don't know him and he doesn't really know them. He might go and look at my group every once in a while. He might see some of the things that I'm doing. He has no, like I am the one living, eating and breathing my community. And so there were definite pinpoints all along these four years of me um, being deliberate about what I was and was not sharing not only so I could sort of allow him to not give me advice, but more so, so I could find the strength to ultimately say what is and is not right for my business. Still to this day, I think I do a pretty damn good job, but still to this day, four years later, he still will tell me like, okay, well, this is the answer of all of your problems. This is what you need to do. And I'm like, I appreciate you saying that. And it's probably, there's probably some truth to that, but like, I know the journey I'm on right now. So that was probably the foundational stuff that I pushed through, especially in those first couple of years. Um, and most of, he was pretty involved with the marketing of the podcast in the very beginning, uh, in the first six months to a year. And so this was definitely an issue right after that, right after he was like, okay, he was on to his next thing and kind of done with marketing for my show. And I was like, ah, okay, <laughs> I need to do my thing. So that was a lot of it. And then, you know, truthfully, um, the money mindset has been massive, <laughs> throughout these four years. And I, I'm very, very honest about the fact that 2017, so that at, at this point that we're talking, this is last year, that I put a lot of very deliberate attention onto working on my mindset around money. Because, you know, for all those years, we had this business that, although we had definitely gone through the school of hard knocks and definitely had some very low money moments, by the time I was transitioning out of it, it was very settled. It was, you know, it was a lifestyle business. It was paying for our lifestyle. And then all of a sudden, like, no, I've got this thing. And that company itself sort of went through a transition. So not only was that normalcy of finances kind of not, not the normal anymore. Now I have this business that, oh, shoot, I've got to make this work in this way. And, and it, it takes a very specific money mindset in order to not only push through that, but ultimately say like, what, what is even possible for this business that I'm creating? And how do I make sure that I, I know that I deserve the profits that can come from the value that I'm giving out there? That there's no such thing as being, there's no such thing as being like, oh, I'm money driven. So that means that I don't care about the people that I serve. There's this thing where it all lives. I get to be a beacon of light. I get to be someone who provides value and I get to profit from that. And it's all there and it's all good. So there, there was a lot of work getting through all this. And still to this day, I still am constantly doing work on money blocks. Oh, I can only make that much. Uh, it, like if I notice that my revenues are staying stagnant for a couple, like a couple of months, I will then turn inward and start doing some work on like, why do I have that number? Why can't I block? Why can't I move past that? What's a block? And let me go work on that. Wow. Okay. I want to dive into this because this is so interesting to me. Um, for someone that might not truly understand, what does money mindset mean? Uh, I don't know if this is a like formal definition, but my my way of defining it is it is how... I am allowing my mind to see what's possible in the space of money. And because I'm putting that attention on money, there's, there are so many... Okay, money itself is just a tool. But that's every single human has so much emotion attached to money. Good and bad emotion, okay? So there's like stories of why we believe that we should only earn so much money or there are stories that we might have about quote-unquote rich people and who they might be. Like there are stories we might have about people who who only make so much money. Like there's just so many deeply embedded stories and beliefs and um, emotion that we have around money. So my version of money mindset is really getting clear and choosing to create from scratch what I want to see as possible for the money in my life. And even the point of giving it its own attention is kind of a big deal because it's like, you know, owning a business, like the, 
this is a very controversial statement, but a book I read a long time ago called The Goal really stated that the number one priority of a business, number one, is to make a profit. And you could get all, you know, lovey-dovey on me and tell you like, uh, you could say, well, I want to make a difference in the world and, but I want to serve these people over here. And yes, those, I want to have, I want to have these employees. I want to have all these people I work with. Yes. We want to give to the community. Yes, you do. But if you don't make a profit, you can't do any of that stuff. So your number one priority is making a profit. So you, you now are jumped into a business where your number one priority is making a profit. And don't tell me that there's not emotional stuff that comes up from that. And, and look, I mean, I, I think every entrepreneur has something called like, what is, where do I stand with money? So it's just a forced look at money mindset. Is it forcing yourself to pay attention to how do I, what are my beliefs about money? And how can I make sure that I get to write those beliefs versus what other people tell me those beliefs have to be? Yes. There's so much that's ingrained when we are a child. I feel like the way that our parents speak about money, if money was a stress or anxiety in our home, if you were told, no, we can't do that because of money over and over and over again, or maybe you saw people with money and and parents say something rude, or, you know, I've heard of stories where a, a pastor of a church Um, maybe got a new car and there were people who were negative about that because they shouldn't, you know, there's shoulds and shouldn'ts about money that can be ingrained. Uh, So how do you bust through that? Because we all want to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's a great question. I actually have some practical answers on that. Okay. So the very first thing is if this is a new concept to you and, or if it's not, if you've heard about this and you just are finally choosing to put some attention on it, I would highly recommend reading a couple different books. Um, uh, Probably the most common thing that people know is like The Secret. And it's a little, it's a little wooey, but like, it's a really good starting place to really get a concept of like this, this concept of like abundance versus scarcity, you know, and that you can really call things into your life that you want to. Um, So that is one. Um, The Science of Getting Rich is one I was just sort of listening to again. Um... Oh my God. Uh, Tony Robbins has a lot about like mindset and money. There's just, um, I know that there's a lot of other great ones out there that I'm forgetting right now. The point being is that there's, there's a lot, start educating yourself and, and, and feeding yourself with how can I, how can I make more money that, but that's like the, that's sort of like the basic question, but it's ultimately like, how do I open myself up to see that there's more out there? Right. So, um, that's kind of an initial thing. The second thing that I do on a practical, in a practical level is that, um, I, in the line of education, I took courses and I invested in things that would help me identify money blocks. Um, Denise Duffield Thomas is one of my favorite folks around this. She has uh, a course called money bootcamp and it's just brilliantly done and very simple, but her course walks you through six weeks of like, you know, how to identify these certain things and, um, and different tools and practices that you could do to make sure you're starting to see things and honor the money that's coming in. Cause who am I to, you know, tell, you know, tell the world that I want more money if I'm leaving $50 on the, on the table all the time and not really honoring it kind of like, Oh, whatever that kind of money. What? No, I only want money for my business versus no, I've got all this abundance around me. So It's like that. It's like entering that space. So find people, find education out there that might open your mind a little bit more to the, to the, the larger picture of what is possible. Now on a practical daily basis, the way that I practice this, and I'm showing Denise my journal right now. So I journal just about every day. And typically this is done in the morning. I usually will get up about 536 o'clock, you know, if you, at least an hour or two before my daughter gets up so that I have quiet time. Um, most of the time I'm meditating just a little bit, like five to seven minutes to kind of clear my mind. And then I'm journaling and I don't, I want to be very specific about how I journal because this is not like, oh, here was my day. And then I did this. This is not like, you know, the notations of my daily life. It basically is the envisioning of what I want to have happen. So um, it's, you know, writing down like, hey, here's a vision of what I want. Here's a vision of what my, what is possible in my business. Here's the vision of, you know, the house I want to be in next. Here's the vision of what my family life is like. Here's the vision of my connection with my husband. And it, and it literally is just sort of building this abundant, very beautiful vision of what I want. 
And I'm constantly playing with how to do that. There's a lot of different ways on how to do that. So, uh, and then I kind of actually get very specific about the money part, which is like, Hey, I am so grateful for this money that came in yesterday. And I know that more money is going to come in by the end of this month or, um, here's how that is. So it, you know, it's getting really specific about some of those money things and just playing. I have a lot of different types of, um, prompts, if you will, about how I'll play with that conversation with money so that I can play with how it's, starting to form itself as an idea in my head. And then I can kind of live into it. Um, you know, the, in the science of getting rich, I was just re-listening to this yesterday and he said, there's this basic formula for how to attract more money, which is, you know, a, you feel grateful for the money that you have and for the money that is going to be coming to you. B, you get really clear on what this vision is. C, you just show up every day and you just live into it. And I think that, and then, you know, there's the part that Oprah always talks about, which is like, ultimately, like you do the work, you show up and then you surrender and you just got to let it all happen the way it's going to happen. So, um, the point being is that it's, it's a daily ritual to get my head in the space of like, I, I believe in abundance. I believe that all this money can come to me and here's what this money is for. And, you know, there's so many different little pieces to it, but yeah, it is, it is definitely a, a discipline and a daily act to not turn my head away from money, but to put my attention on it and let that be a good thing. I love that. I remember when I was working my full-time job, I remember feeling like, well, I guess this is just my piece of the pie and I have to accept it. And over time, I've realized that truly money's easy. It's easy to make money and it's really not that big of a deal. And when you change your mindset and your view on it and, and go from that, like, I have to keep this, you know, a little piece of the pie for me. And there's only so much to go around to really expansive abundance. My, like everything truly, truly does change. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to say that it's like, oh, once you get it, all of a sudden everything's fine. You never deal with it again. No, I'm constantly dealing with money blocks or fear around money or wanting to hoard because I'm scared that I might not have that money next month. Like, and those are not, those are the exact opposite actions to take when you really truly believe in the, in, you know, abundant mindset. And so it's just a constant working on all of that. But the deal is the money mindset deal is pay attention to it, you know, pay attention to it. Absolutely. And, you know, when it, it, and that's why you do it every day, right? That's why you journal every day. That's why you focus on it every day so that you really can every day make a chain, like get your mind in that space. Now, I do want to ask you um, about being a mom and starting your business because I know you work with a lot of mom entrepreneurs. And um, right now, my <laughs> uh, I have got my two boys are home. It's a day off of school, and you know we do what we do, and we, we can. Do we do. They're coming in. in. <laughs> They're coming in. They want me to fix a video game that I cannot even read right now. Not a video game. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so tell us, tell us how you made it. How do you do it all? How do you do oh, it? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. And while you fix that video game, I will tell the story. <laughs> um, oh my god, he's so cute for you listening. <laughs> so adorable. Um, okay. So I actually have some very practical advice on this. When I got pregnant with my daughter, I, that was actually the excuse that I finally used to transition out of the local business. And so that was really good. So there was a lot of like forced ways to sort of like take care of that business and to make it practically okay without me in it. Right. Then I had my daughter and I very ignorantly thought, Oh my God, I'm going to be superwoman. No big deal. I can totally be the mompreneur who works from home while the baby's nursing. And that's not a big deal. And I can totally be at the same capacity. And it took me about two months to realize uh, how ignorant I was. <laughs> and while I'm sure that there are those of you out there who have done it, that was not me. So um, I started out at three months old, putting her into daycare two times a week. and um, And so in two days a week, I just kind of like was at that point, I was sort of jumping back into biz women rock and I wasn't really knowing what the heck I was doing. And that lasted, that schedule lasted for about six months. So in, my daughter was about nine months old before I literally felt like, what am I doing? I feel like during these two days a week, I'm just spinning my wheels. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like when I'm with her, I feel um, this pull, right? 
I don't like to call it guilt. I don't really, I don't want to let myself believe in mommy guilt, but this pull, like when I'm with her, I kind of want to be working. And when I'm working, I kind of want to be with her. So like, how do I resolve that? So I sat myself down and I made what I call my mom, mompreneur mission statement. And I really highlighted like, what are my values? What is important to me in my life? It is important to me to have an amazing, loving and passionate relationship with my husband. It is important for me to spend time with my daughter while she's in this age range because I, cause that was important to me. And, um, and I, so I want to be here during this time. I want to spend time with her. And it's really important for me to build this business and have no limits on what that can mean. And it's really important for me to be a really good friend. Like all of, it's really important for me to stay fit and healthy. Like all of those things came up on that, on that mission statement. And so I literally wrote out on that mission statement, all of those things that were important to me. And then I wrote this, this statement, this is all possible. And I'm going to, I will create a life that makes this all possible where all of these things get to thrive because I don't believe. And while some women do believe that some people believe in this and that's totally okay. And it works for them. I don't want to believe that I have to put this area of my life on hold or sacrifice that while I'm taking care of this area of my life. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe I can go full throttle a thousand percent all the time in every area of my life, but I feel like I can manage them well, right? So everyone talks about like balancing all of these things. This not balance. It's managing all this stuff. So what that looked like for me, practically speaking, is I am such a believer that your values show up on your calendar because the values, what you value in life is where you choose to give time and energy. So I value a really wonderful and amazing relationship with my husband. Literally from that moment, from that mompreneur mission statement, my husband and I had a calendar date every single Saturday for date night. That's how it showed up. And we go on that date night every single Saturday, you know, minus a few times where we might be out of town. Um, and then I decided that I was going to up the amount of days that she went to daycare. I was like, okay, three days a week. She's good. She loves her daycares. I love her. I love it. So three days a week are dedicated to me being able to be businesswoman. And then those other two days a week out of the work week are going to be dedicated to be me being mom. And that still is how I run my business. I've had a couple, you know, like things change and shift. Sometimes we travel, sometimes like my parents are here right now. So she's not really going into school, but like for the most part, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays are my days to be businesswoman, and Wednesdays and Fridays are all mommy days. And the beauty of doing that, let me say this right here, is it it relinquishes me from that pressure and from that pull. So if it's a Wednesday and it's a mommy daughter day, I'm not allowed. Like I physically have not allowed myself to feel guilty or pulled into business. Like I love what I do, so I kind of always want to like if you don't let me stop, like I will work 24 hours a day. I really love it. But you know, on those Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, like I get the freedom to be mom. And so I get to like have that space to experiment with what I want to do with her and what kind of fun adventures can we have? Or, you know, like I give myself that mental, um, that mental permission to really do that. And then the same holds true for the opposite on the, on those other days. Like I, I don't ever feel guilty that she's in school. Like I'm always like, she loves it. It's awesome there. And I love being home working <laughs> right now. So, um, to, and same thing with working out health and fitness is, is important to me. So it showed up on my calendar. When am I going to be doing these workouts and how do I make that all happen now? Does it all play out perfectly all the time? No, but you know, majority of the time it does. And I just feel like that habituates me showing up and making time for and putting energy into how I show up for each of those areas of my life. So, um, and it helps me prioritize the hell out of those times because now I'm not, I've got three days a week. I've got 24 to 30 hours of work every single week. What in the world am I doing during those days so that I can push my agenda forward to bring my message out to the world and to help as many women entrepreneurs as I can. And what am I doing during mommy times that is making me feel like it's productive and it's fun and it's meaningful in all of those times, you know? So I'm not just sort of like being like defaulting as like, let, let's just kind of watch TV, which is totally okay every once in a while. But like, you know, so it really helps me prioritize and be mindful of what I'm showing up to be in all of those times. Absolutely. And more productive when you are in that space and in that moment. It's like, in a sense, you're like, I'm not open for business today because it's a mom day. So I will deal with that tomorrow. And then you don't even feel like I should be working um, because you know that tomorrow 
you'll be open again. And it allows your mind to just stay focused on one thing, which we all know as women, we love to multitask when really mindfulness is much more helpful. So staying focused on one thing. I'm very clear that I suck at multitasking. So this is just a nice little extension of that belief. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you've talked about some of the fears that you've had to break through the money mindset. What are some pivotal aha moments you've had over the past four years? Oh, man. So many of them. Um, probably the biggest one from the, like a more recent one happened in October of 2017, where I was really having a downward spiral moment of <clears throat> what am I even doing? Like I kind of had one of those moments again, you know, after I had kind of done that in the beginning, like a you know, mid 2016 at Biz Women Rock. But once I got clear on everything, I, boom, I knew exactly what I was doing. And then October, 2017 came and I was like, oh, okay, what am I doing again? Where am I going? And, and it kind of spiraled me down into a lot of self-doubt. Like, why am I the one doing this? Like, am I okay to do this? And, and then it got me into like comparison mode, which we've all done. And like, oh my God, she's doing that over there. Who am I to be doing it? You know, or she's doing that so much better than me. Like, who am I to be doing it? Should I just give up? It just really, I mean, it spiraled down bad. And um, the the pivot for me was once again, allowing myself the space to get really quiet with myself and to go inside and figure out what the heck am I here to do in this world? And, um, and if what, and, and if, if this is what I'm doing as just a being of light, right. And I get to give love and light to those in my life, like my daughter, my husband, all these great friends that I have, my family. And I get to give this love and light to all the women that I am so privileged to serve. Who am I to stop myself there? Like these are all stupid little things that I am putting in place. Like ego, it's ego and it's worldly. And my mission is bigger than that. So that was a really pivotal moment because it allowed me to retract from those very like, um, short-sighted reasons that we give ourselves not to step into our light. She's comparison mode. It's not good enough. I didn't bring in the revenues I thought I was going to bring in. I didn't launch the thing that I said I was going to launch. Like just lots of beating ourselves up for that. I think ultimately at the end of the day, and I'll speak for myself, um, those are just stupid, like really, really um, short-sighted reasons that our psyche is giving to us so that we don't really have to fully live into our potential. So that was a moment where I just let myself, you know, I totally spun down into like oblivion. And then after, like I journaled a lot, kind of went through a whole process of really discovering what the truth really was. And once I got clear on that, I was like, all right, no holds barred, man. Like, no, just keep going. And the beautiful part about having a low moment like that is that you get, I get super tunnel vision and all of a sudden nobody else matters. Like I'm not looking at anyone else. I'm just, my journey is about me. It is a competition between who I used to be and who I want to be, right? Because I'm constantly evolving. Every single one of us are. And it's not a rejection of who I used to be. It is not a negative emotion for who I used to be, but it's a desire to be who I am in my most capable potential. And that means constant growth, right? So that was a huge pivotal moment for me. Um, and um, oh my gosh, there, you know, the mompreneur moment I just talked about was amazingly pivotal. And um, probably the first time I had somebody actually pay for like high end coaching for me. You know, I would, um, I don't know all coaches or the industries, but you know, for sort of my signature offering that I have right now is really one-on-one, uh, private coaching with me and strategizing so I can help women really intimately and in a customized way through this process of getting to where they want to go. And just, you know, I started at a really low price point just so I could sort of like, do people actually want this for me and will they pay for it? And then over the years, I've just constantly been raising that, constantly been raising that. And um, and I think the first time, uh, it was probably about six months ago where I really like, I had a really good price that people would, you know, general public might like hesitate on and have to look at. And um, But I felt like I'm worth all of this and more. And I feel like the women who work with me in this capacity just get so much and it impacts their business so much. It impacts them so much. So I think the first time that, I offered that and somebody actually was like, yes, like without a doubt, like, yes, of course I want to do that. I was like, okay, 
Excellent. <laughs> that was an upper limit thing. Okay. Keep on moving forward, you know? Awesome. Yeah, it's true. I think a lot of times we're so used to just adding value that we, when we attach, attach a price point to the value, it can be a little nerve wracking, but I love when you, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, that, you know, that what you're doing will impact somebody's business in their life. Like there's no value on that. And what you said, it's selfish to hold it back. It's selfish to hold it back yeah. when we are created with all of these gifts and skills. And then we watch Netflix, right? <laughs> we are designed to, to do something bigger with that. Um, all right. I've got two more questions for you. What is one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? Like a success habit that you think is super important. Like you would feel weird if you didn't do it. Oh, um, I'll probably go right back to that journaling exercise um, and just the, the act of journaling. Um, yeah, that and pretty much exercising or moving every day. Like I really have to do that. Yeah. Getting your mindset in that in a good space, taking care of yourself so you can yeah. truly give to others. All right. I didn't prepare you for this one, but this is my last question. What would you say is your current life's purpose? Oh, I know that my current life's purpose is to bring love and light to others. It sounds really general, but it really covers all the basis of what I do. So, um, you know, just bringing more love and light into the world with women entrepreneurs in, in the sense of like letting them... What I do with women entrepreneurs is I hold up a mirror so that they can see their own light. And then I allow them that space to do that with me privately or to do that amongst each other, which is even more special. Um, and then obviously that shows up in my personal life with, you know, my daughter and with my friends and my husband, like just being someone who's love and can bring more love to others. I love that. You're showing, giving them a mirror so they can see their own awesomeness. Um, all right. I lied. One more question. So <laughs> let's say we've got, we've got somebody listening who is in a space where they're like, I want to figure out my passion. I want to live my passion every single day. Uh, I don't really like where I am. Like, what would you tell somebody who's in that transition? Oh, I love this question. Okay. I love this question because I'm going to burst your bubble right now that um, you are not going to figure it out tomorrow. And you will probably not even figure it out, quote unquote, next year. So my answer to this is literally this entire story that, you know, Denise and I have been talking about, about, you know, my, my journey of entrepreneurship it is literally just a constant evolution, a constant transition, a constant, let me try this and oh, that didn't work. So let me go do this. And I can't even tell you how many like iterations of my business, like Biz Women Rock has only been around since 2014, but bef- I've had the LLC for probably six years before that. Cause I was always like, well, look, what about this? And maybe I could be a copywriter and I love writing, you know, and maybe I could have a copywriting business or maybe I can have a business being a project manager for these types of websites. And so my answer is, is that if you really want to live a vibrant life, a life of bliss, and you believe that a business is a vehicle for you to do that, follow your curiosity. Elizabeth Gilbert is uh, the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Mm-hmm. And uh, her most recent book is called Big Magic. And it has a many, many amazing points in there. But one major point that she talks about is the fact of how intimidating it is to quote unquote, follow your passion, because I don't know if I'm passionate about it, right? So she gives the advice to follow your curiosity. So just pay attention when like, ooh, you kind of get some goosebumps about something or, hey, I really enjoyed that. Do more of it and follow that and then see what happens and see what comes out of it. And maybe it's nothing like, maybe it's nothing big, but but I, I really do believe that when you constantly move and you take steps towards what interests you and you're listening to yourself to navigate some of those things, you know, like you can't help but be a more evolved person to know what a, the next best step is for you three steps later. You're, you're not going to know that if you just stay still. So follow your curiosity and give yourself a heck of a lot of grace for the fact that there is no end finish line, you know, there isn't like this life in general, but most especially just because I live and breathe entrepreneurship, there is no such thing called a finish line that I'm trying to get to. And and that was a misconception of mine early on in my entrepreneurial career. And I thought, by the way, that that finish line was when I quote unquote made enough money to let me leave my full-time job. 
that in and of itself is not even a finish line. So, um, you know, just keep following what you find interesting and what you're curious about. And, and it's okay if you do it and it's a total quote unquote failure. I'm using that quote because like that will teach you what then to do next. So I've had so many ridiculous, stupid failures (laughs) over all of these years. And they, and now looking back, I can see where they all made sense for each other that all lined up to lead me to where I am now. And I will make more failures. I can guarantee that. And each of those failures will, or, or will help me navigate what this journey is supposed to be for me. The most important thing though, is to be honest with yourself and to constantly create a habit, a space for you to listen to that inner voice of what is and is not okay for you. That's it. You know, um, and, and just being willing to like be on that journey. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. And with no real finish line, it truly is just a matter of what's next. You know, what's next? How can you continue to grow? So thank you so much, Katie, for your time today, your wisdom. Check out Katie's free group at bizwomenrock.com group. And then you can go to bizwomenrock.com to check out all of her resources, her coaching, her mastermind, and then certainly check out the podcast as well. Katie, you are full of wisdom in this growing a business, doing it as a mom, and just helping people find their passion, their life and increase their curiosity. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Denise. It was so, so awesome. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening today. Head over to denisewalsh.com. Enter your email to subscribe to our list and I'll be sending out an early bird special coupon. 50% off, in fact, of the Dream Life Workbook when it is launched in just a few months. So if you want to have first dibs, let's get your name on that list. Thanks again. I so appreciate you and remember to dream big. 